Abba Yahweh, thank you for, again for the opportunity, the breath in my lungs in this new day, Father, that you bring me out and give me the opportunity to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. For they that have an ear, let them hear what I share, Father, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom. So, <clears throat> Abba Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Parakletos, Aman. Our Lord God allows me to be in the Word, share His Word, be about His business. Satan keeps coming, he keeps attacking, and he wants doubt and uncertainty to be in our life's vocabulary. And we see those things and we hold on to them and believe that thing. But I'm going to share with you from Psalm 14, first verse. And this is what Satan tries to get us to believe and to practice and be this way. Psalm 14, 1 and 2. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did, any that did understand and seek God. God watches us all the time, brothers and sisters. Satan tries to corrupt our thought process. He comes and he attacks with the white noise his minions bring to corrupt our thoughts. But remember this, that we don't focus on that that the enemy brings. We rebuke that. And we seek God, seek God's face. And remember David also said, I seek your face. At all times, I see your holiness. I see your beauty when I'm in the sanctuary and I see you there. And he knows this thing. He also shares in his poetry that we seek his face and that we should be constantly that way. We seek his face and we worship him. He is our strong tower. He is our sanctuary. He is our sanctuary. And he is with us all the time. He promises that. The enemy wants us to be corrupt in our thoughts. And I warn you this, that if you don't focus on God, you will be allowing that white noise to interfere with your thoughts. And because he is that enemy that wants us to be separated from God, he wants us to be apart from God, and he does not want us to practice the godly, goodly things that we are supposed to be doing. And he can infiltrate the mindset that we have, and we can believe in our weakness, that God is not listening, that God has turned his back on us. We are told in the word time and time and time again, 
that God does not leave nor forsake us. There is nothing that we go through that God is not there. This has got to do with that that I've shared with you numerous times, that God is with us whithersoever we go. It's not from point A to point B as it is in a road atlas, but wherever we're at, on the mountaintop, in the deepest valley, in the darkness, and even in those things in the trouble that come, that God is indeed with us. And Satan wants us to believe that he is not, but God promises that he is. Satan is a liar. He drives us to corruption and he drives through that white noise interference for us to forsake our focus on God. And instead of running to our strong tower or seeking God's face, he gets us to believe that God has turned his back on us. God does not turn his back on us. Even when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and they were whining and crying about everything that he was providing for them. And they wandered. For 40 years they wandered because of their corruption, their lies that they believed, the worshiping idols that they chose instead of worshiping God. And when the spies went into Canaan and they came back and they poured out their wrongful reports to the people. Again, the giants. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers. This is what the devil enjoys getting us into, is that we see ourselves, firstly. That is a key point of that whole verse. And when they brought that false report and that wrong report, what they were doing is they were saying that they believed that God's power and his sovereignty and his might could not sustain them. They chose to believe the lies and deceit, and they convinced, they convinced the nation of Israel that they couldn't do this thing, that God had already promised them that he would be there with them and that they would go in and he would deliver to them. But they chose to believe the lies. They became what through the lies? They believed false evidence appearing real, and they became that key word again I've shared with you numerous times, fearful. So they didn't react the way they should have. They allowed fear to drive them, and they denied the sovereignty of God. They turned their back on God. God didn't turn his back on them. So for the 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness because they turned away, did God leave them? He did not. He provided food for them. He provided water for them. And he provided protection and surety. For 40 years, and I've shared this part with you too, what in your closet if anything at all, do you have that's at least 40 years old? Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't need to be repaired. For 40 years that they wandered and pondering and wondering what had happened. And when they came to the realization that God was still with them and they turned back and worshiped the Lord, 
He provided for them. But that whole time that they were wandering and unsure and were believing the doubt and the fear and that false evidence, he still cared for them. He still took care of them. Brothers and sisters, we have to believe, we have to understand, and we have to realize that God does not leave us. David's poem in Psalm 34, I share with you because it's important and it is his truth, his knowledge and wisdom that he shares with us through the word In Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. There's that key word I shared with you before. Don't come to God in arrogance. You can be bold and humble. You come to the God that has made all things, the maker of all things made, the great I am, the first and the last, the alpha, the omega, the author, the finisher. He promises that he will be with us. And Jesus, his only begotten son, when he came to this plane of existence, he promised us as he spoke to the disciples that were there physically with him, he was speaking to us that we're becoming disciples, that believe. I will be with you till the end of the age. What does that mean? The age that we're on, this plane of existence, this age, when we depart, he's still gonna be here. He's still gonna be with us. We are greeted at the gates when we leave this plane of existence. And it is also said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because there is no death that is locked and secured anymore. God took the keys. Jesus went and took the keys of death. There is no reason to fear death, but Satan wants you to be afraid. He wants you to be fearful. That's his desire and I've shared this with you many times before, is in fear. And if we are fearful, we will not react the way that we should. We treat other people not the way we should. And we forget the promise of God. Be not fearful. I shared the program with you. I watched the other night and it was, I was in tears before the midpoint of the film. This young girl who died at 16 years old Her faith was so powerful. And it drove the desire in my heart, my mindset to be stronger in my faith. We have to understand that the trials and tribulation, but at 16, she had had this disease that took her eyesight and took her mobility when she finally passed away, she had been having to be strapped in a wheelchair and move around. She wasn't able to be mobile. They had to 
transporter and special wheelchair. And it was a beautiful thing, the faith that this girl had. And she told her father when she was in the depths of this thing and, and she had, her eyes were gone. She told her father that it's okay because my Lord's gonna fix my eyes when I get to heaven and see him. He will fix me. All things will be made new. There will be no pain. There will be no agony. There will be no tears. There, none of that will be present there because he's going to make us all new. We are not going to be as we are. We're going to be as we will be. We are going to have a glorious new body. We're going to be walking with our loved ones. We're going to be walking with the Lord. We are going to be new creatures. All things will be made new. All that that we have any pain will be gone. We will be totally new creatures. We will be as we were when we were younger people. I'm not going to be in heaven at 65 anymore. We're going to be younger. We're going to be stronger. The colors are going to be brighter. They're going to be pure. And we are going to walk in glorious light of heaven. With the Lord, and I shared with you the scripture that day that, that the darkness becomes his light. That again is a poem from Psalm. There will be mo no sun and no moon because the glorious light of our Lord will be on us all the time. All the time. And I love to go back to Psalm and I'm drawn to the book of Psalm because David, I believe, my perception, you don't have to agree, that's okay. It's my opinion. Opinions are not factual. Remember that. You don't argue over opinions. We are in a spiritual warfare. Yes, a spiritual warfare. To waste energy in argument with the physicality of this plane of existence is foolishness and it's foolhardy to argue and debate with somebody on this same plane of existence when the Lord provides the truth, knowledge, and wisdom of his word. So you don't want to agree with my opinion? That's okay. Remember what I shared too? Bottom line is, I don't care. I don't. Because the validation comes from my Lord, my Savior, my sovereign Lord God, and my King, Lord Jesus, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So your opinion is simply your perception, and that's okay. But it's not going to be worth me debating over. It's not going to be worth me fighting and arguing with somebody. In Psalm 37, Verse 39, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is our strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they 
trust him. That's an important key word right there, trust. This young girl, 16 years old when she died, her trust in the Lord was immense. And I just pray that my faith, my trust in the Lord is strong. And as I've shared with you numerous times that I have this little mirror that I talk into that the Holy Spirit floats around me because any good, righteous elder or pastor, leader of a church must speak into that mirror. And it's not a lecture. It's not telling you what you should do and how you should do it because he doesn't have to or she doesn't have to. It's not that way. And if they are truly worthy and they are truly salt of the earth, they will be speaking in that mirror. Because we, as true Christians, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as our Redeemer, our salvation, faith in God, and the Holy Spirit guiding our steps through our days, we must see that as truth. We can indeed, this is from another of my reading that is truly confirm, confirmation as it was in the other. And these things, and I love the way the Lord does this is that he brings these. And remember, I've shared this with you before too. Confirmation doesn't, is not about being right over the wrong. It's got nothing to do with that. Confirmation is simply the right direction. I think I shared this with you before when I was a truck driver for the many years that I did, cross country, border to border, coast to coast, many places. Roads that people have not even ever heard of or driven on. And you had, we used to call them yardsticks, but they were mile markers. And that it, when you know how to read them, it tells you which way you're going, north, south, east, or west. If you're traveling on that, you see this marker. And you also know, you can figure out if you're going the right way or the wrong way. I've gotten on a freeway and been going the wrong way because the numbers were not appropriate. They were guide sticks. They were markers for an operator or a driver to be able to know the direction. God does the same thing in his confirmation of his word and his truth. And sometimes I've shared with you that I have numerous mentors or teachers that share with me. And we don't get on a conference call and share or discuss what they're teaching or what they're sharing. Nor do I share what I'm about to share, but yet... Too many times that I can count their message and their teaching and their sharing and their writing is confirming what I'm looking at, what I've read, what I'm about to read, or what I'm doing or sharing. And it is a confirmation that I am going in the right direction, the correct direction. If you choose, remember this too is very important, that God has made us 
with a free will choice. And if you choose not to believe, then that's up to you. And just like in John 3.16, if you choose to believe that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son, and if you choose to have faith in him, then you will not be condemned and you will have everlasting life. Choose is the important word. Now, Satan and these perverts that get on the stage and want to teach contrary to what the word says, they want to convince people that God condemns you to hell and the only way that you don't go is to believe in Jesus and he's going to send you to hell if you turn that down. Well, that's not how it works. And if you read contextually, see these perverts get on stage and they don't teach in context of the word. And John 3.16 is no different. It's very important. And I'm going to read John 3.16, but because it, it's an important word. And this is with the serpent on the staff. He got in a bit of an argument with Joshua about that. <clears throat> but it has nothing to do with worshiping the serpent, but putting faith in God and that Moses was told that when he lifted that up, that by the power and the might of God, that in lifting up that serpent was a symbol, and it wasn't praying to the serpent, and it wasn't worshiping the serpent, it was worshiping God and believing that God was giving them something to see, because you remember that the children had, was full of doubt all the time because they couldn't see God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But I'm going to back up. I'm going to go back to verse 14, John 3, 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. You see, Jesus was lifted up and he was put on that cross Many did not believe. Many would not believe. And so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And you remember that Jesus was on the cross and shortly before he died and he gave up his spirit. Because remember this too, that in the crucifixion of our Lord, he wasn't crucified and by the power and the will of the Romans, Jesus gave up his spirit. They didn't have to come and do like they did as was their practice. And remember that Jesus was different than all the others. Jesus was nailed to the cross. And as the prophets spoke of Jesus's crucifixion, that he wouldn't be as the others, no broken bones and all that. but they weren't. And surely before he gave up the spirit, he also looked down on those that put him on the cross, those that cried for his crucifixion and those who belittled him, degraded him, cast stones at him, threw mud at him, spit on him. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Wow. 
Back to John 15. Further, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Some very key words there. First of all, God did not condemn everyone to hell if you don't believe Jesus. That wasn't what that was about. And those perverts that get on the stage and they twist and they darken the word of God, the truth, saying that God condemns you if you don't believe. God is not condemning by your choice, by your own decision, by your deciding that you don't want to believe in Jesus, that he came the way he did, and that you don't want to have faith in God, and that you don't want the Holy Spirit to guide your steps, you condemn yourself. You turn your back on God, the very one that created all things and desires that you, his child, would be saved and spend eternity in heaven with your loved ones. And if you choose to turn your back on that and walk away, your choice. Just like when you go to a carnival, it's your choice to either go on the loop-de-loop with the, the, what do they call those things, with those fast rides and all that stuff there. You choose to either ride them or you choose not to. You choose to believe in God or you choose not to. It's your choice. And you're going to have a whole bunch of those if you go with friends they are going to make fun of you because you didn't go. Yeah, but that was your choice. You don't have to go simply because they try to goad you into it. It's the same thing now. The minions of hell that walk on this plane of existence as well as in the spiritual realm because there are those that do both. You have those spiritual demons and you also have those minions that walk on this plane of existence and do these egregious things. And what do they do? They try to goad you, prod you, and they feed They pour white noise into your ears and they try to get you to believe something that's not there, something that's not true. But brothers and sisters, I share with you, believe the truth, the knowledge and the wisdom of God that he pours out to me and allows me to share that. And by being the conduit of his truth, knowledge and wisdom, I am blessed by being able to do that. Further, verse 18 He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Because others will see the evil that they do by being in the light. But they want their deeds to be covered in darkness. Further in verse 21, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. 
Brothers and sisters, things that we do, we think that are hidden in darkness because it's in the dark. That's that's the nature that we walk in this. This is what we believe. But understand this too. The other favorite thing that Satan loves to do is to get us to believe that we can do so much on our own. And this is why I have such an issue with individuals talking about self-help gurus. Oh, this is a good guy, or this is a good woman to talk to because they're Christian. They say they're Christian. So this is a good person for you to go, here, let me give you their phone number and address. Well, I've shared with you before that I have issue with that. And I believe, too, that the Lord has issue with that because, first of all, there's no such thing as a self-help individual. When you go on your own, you try to accomplish these things on your own, you will fail miserably. And those that claim to be self-help gurus and want to teach you how to do it all by yourself, and the word is full of those that attempted to do that, and they failed miserably. Sarai, the wife of Abram. She did that very thing. Got caught up in the middle of it. David got caught up in the middle of it. Solomon got caught up in the middle of it. Job got kind of cantankerous because he got caught up in these things, but also confessed that the Lord is his help and that he will not renounce the Lord God as his Savior. Satan tried mightily to get him to renounce God and his faith in God, and he would not. And as you read through the story of Job and those that came came to him that were supposed to be his friends, they spoke openly that he must have done something wrong and he must have gotten God all upset. He must have gotten God agitated and that everything that happened to him is his fault. Well, no. There was one that came, and sometimes we have to understand, and the the story of Job is, is a good lesson for this. You don't have to go and be with somebody and share words of your knowledge. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear your advice. They just want company. And if they don't ask for your advice, in that time of trouble for their heart, then don't give it. Just simply be there. Show them compassion, show them kindness, and show them love. And you give that to them. That is what we must do. Share that. The thing that God teaches in his in some of, with through some of my other mentors in the readings is that people confuse really confuse victory with being successful. 
Oh, look at all these houses I have. Look at all this property I own. Look at all these cars I have. I'm victorious. I wait. Wait a second. I've shared this with you before. Haven't done it in a while, but I'm going to do it now. What what are you what are you victorious about? And I've heard individuals share this, and it's so ridiculous. Well, you know, the one that has the most in the end, they win. What do you win? Are you going to be able to pack all that garbage up, all that temporal, in a truck, a U-Haul, Penske, Hertz? Are you going to be able to pack it up and think that you're going to drive it down and cross that bridge to heaven? You're not going to be able to do that. So in sharing that portion, where is your heart? Where do you put your treasure? Are your treasures in that of the temporal plane of existence? The most more houses, the more property, the more cars, the more money that you actually don't have anyway? I think I've shared this through with you as well as that you have actual millionaires and you have what are called paper millionaires and most all of the individuals that seem to have all this success. But see, you don't see the whole picture. They have to have signature upon signature upon signature to be able to do anything with money that they claim is theirs anyway. And you have lawyers that steal, you have... Uh, accountants that take from you. And then what are you going to do with all that? And I've seen this and I, sadly, I have to share this is that my father set my mother up when he passed away that she would not have to want for anything. And there were individuals that were trying to take that from her and thought that if they got it, that they could convince her to, to sign documents that would mean that they were able to get all that. Well, my father took this into account and he tried to protect us. At first, it was, seemed like something that was not a very good thing, but in actuality, it was brilliant. Hmm. Is that he made it not possible for that to be done. The account was established for her and her alone. If she wanted to share whatever she had, she could do so, but it could not be signed over so that if she passed away, that it could be taken from any other one. And he did that because he knew of the selfishness that lives in man. Mom shared mightily with many of us. Well, with all of her children, all of us saying that. Wow, it was <laughs> something that was not foreseen, but she chose to do that. And my earthly father's blessing allowed that to happen. But what do you, are you going to take that with you? You can't take it with you. And you have to understand as well that when you start leaving stuff to individuals, sadly and adversely, there will be a physical warfare that takes place on this temporal plane of existence. Well, mom and dad didn't leave that to me. I wanted that. How come they got more? We should have got that. We should have got that house. We should have got the boat and the car and so forth and so on. And it goes and it goes and on it goes.
And then there's lawyers that are hired, warfare that goes back and forth with that, family that should be in tune, in harmony, step into battle and warfare. They separate and they drift apart. Why? Because they didn't get what they thought they should get. Do something good and something righteous with that that you have. And it's not victory to be successful and have all that. Is that really success? Is that really victorious? I question that. But here's the thing that is taught is that victory has nothing to do without falling or stumbling or not making mistakes. If you try to do so in your own strength and in your own way, without God, without the Holy Spirit, then you have failure, which is still okay because you've fallen, but you can repent and you can come to God and ask forgiveness. And we're told constantly throughout the word that through the problems and the temporary failures or the stumbling and the falling And a failure in only that instance does not mean that you are a failure. It just means that you failed in that one thing. But you come back to God, you confess that. And we learn to rely on God and his truth and the Holy Spirit for guiding our steps. And I have to go back Regula Fidele, rule of faith, go back to the Old Testament again. The book of Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 tells us that very thing. That a foolish man or woman seeks through their own understanding and through their own mind that they are capable and that they can do and they won't fail, that they can do all these things. And the self-help gurus that try to profess that that they're teaching forward teachings contrary to what the Bible tells us, contrary to the word of God, contrary to the truth. That's what they teach. Confess in your weakness and that we need to have God center. Be centered in the Lord and the Holy Spirit to guide us. We are told that that will happen. And our dependence on God, a lot of people get this all jacked up as well. They get it all confused. This is this is like an 18-wheeler going down the road and all of a sudden does makes an error and misses a turn and tries to turn it too tight and then jackknives. And what happens? That truck gets wedged because the trailer is jackknifed. They can't make the turn. They can't complete the turn. And it's very difficult to get out of unless you know what you're doing. You've had experience and you ride that and you can straighten out. It's very difficult to do. Many times when you get in a jackknife, you have to have help. You have to have help. 
You have to have individuals come with special equipment to get it straightened out. Well, in our jackknifing, our traveling on the roadway of life, the Holy Spirit is our help. It is our guide. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us that. Have faith in God that the Holy Spirit will guide our steps. We have to be able to go to God and make the decision that we have to do it with him and that he will guide our steps. And he promises to do that throughout the Bible. He shows us that he will do that. Throughout the Bible, he promises to do that. Throughout the word of God, the truth, the knowledge, and the wisdom that comes from our Lord God through our Savior and King, Jesus, that that will be done. And the Lord puts things in our thoughts through the Holy Spirit and the devil tries to get you to function or go contrary to that is that we see things in a seemingly dream state and that those dreams seem to be so far beyond what we can achieve and what is capable. Yes, if we do so on our own, but if we go to God with our open hands, remember I've shared this with you before, this is important. If you look at your hand right now, make a fist. Some of you will do it, some of you won't, that's okay. But if you make a fist and you look where your thumb is and then you turn it over and you look where your little finger is, you can't even see inside that. But then once you open it, oh my goodness, look at that. It's an open hand. There's nothing in there. Exactly. You have nothing in there. Now your hands are open. You can carry and hold the blessing that God desires to pour out onto you. You have something there, but Satan wants you to keep your hands tied around those things, tied around those cords and chains that are binding you to the past, binding you to anger, binding you to what was and not what is, binding you to false and not truth, binding you to lies. I deal with this and I am dealing with this, but I'm sharing with you now that will not change my prayer and will not change what my heart tells me. I'm gonna share this and I haven't openly stated this before, but I just kept it kind of ambiguous, but I'm gonna share with you right now that I have a child that is bound by that. Goes to church, teaches the classes, yada, 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 soda, soda, soda. Self-proclaimed, but what is demonstrated is totally contrary. Every day, when I start my day, I ask God to look upon them and to let his blessing shine on them, my children and my grandchildren. But he is so bound up with the past and he wants to be angry. I don't think he wants to be. I think he allows himself to be. And he holds on to those chains and those ropes and he holds them close. That pleases the devil. Doesn't please me. 
but I keep him in prayer daily, at night, and in the day. And the thing that's that's most troubling is that that anger and frustration that he holds onto allows that to spill over to others that he normally wouldn't treat the way he does. That saddens me. That actually breaks my heart. And I learned that that is what took place. But that's my child. I erred because I was not walking with God as I should have been. I stepped off the path. And I share this, I've shared it before, that had I been walking with God as I should have been, wouldn't happen. But I don't look back on that to say, oh, I should have done that, I would have done that, and la-da-da-da-da, wah-wah-wah. It isn't like that. It's looking back and seeing that during that time and what I did, God was still with me. And his plan for me is much greater than anything that I could possibly comprehend or know. And it's much greater than my son could know. And the things that he is so angry about, he wasn't even old enough to have been aware or understand. But yet he grew in anger and the Satan minions keep feeding that. We have to remember that we have to rely on God, on his leading, on his teaching, on his guidance through the spirit. It's not a continued path of success because nowhere in the Bible does it say that. In the book of Proverbs, it leads to that tendency for those that want to believe that, but that's not what it says that the Spirit will guide our steps, our paths, and make them straight. Doesn't say that there won't be chuckles. Doesn't say that there won't be stumbling. It doesn't say that there won't be errors made. There are going to be multiple failings, multiple failures in instances that does not make you a failure. It makes that particular instance a failure. But remember this, is that for every one of those, we have a strengthening of faith. You turn to the Lord, you turn to the Lord's guidance, and you can feel that. You can feel that growth and that strength and say, yes, Lord, that I claim. And the blessings are not that we thank God for I've shared this with you before, not for his presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, which many have determined that those, those are blessings. And they are. Don't want to detract from that. Many times God gives, he's given me one. Unfortunately, I'm not able to enjoy it because of circumstances that I'm involved in now, but it's still a wonderful present that he shared with me. I got to ride with God clear across this country. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was awesome. And he brought me to people that I would not have encountered otherwise. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
but we have to remember that we have to stay in his will and depend on him and not look at ourselves as a failure, but an instance as a failing, but that with his strength and his might, that we can be courageous in our faith. And all we have to do is keep depending on him. Through his strength. Psalm 34. That's a great chapter and a great book. And it's uh, something that we have to we have to hold on to. So I leave John and I'm going back into Psalm. Psalm 34 is pretty powerful. And David shares this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall constantly be in my mouth. My soul shall make him, will make her boast in the Lord and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Being humble, don't be arrogant. Don't be arrogantly bold, be humbly bold. You can come to the gates of the Lord in praise and thankfulness, boldly, but humbly. If you're arrogant, you're going to refuse the sovereignty of Lord God and think that it's all about you and be demanding of the Lord. You have no authority for that. The authority that the Lord gave us as he gave the disciples that were physically with him at the time, he told us that we have been given authority. You have to declare the authority, claim the authority because it's ours. We have to know that the Lord does hear us. In all places and all things. And we have to remember also, 2 Corinthians reminds us, that we walk by faith and not by sight. Those self-made individuals and those uh, self-help gurus, they want to preach and teach the sanctity of self-reliance. Truth is, without the Lord, without his guidance, without his love, we have nothing. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers on my going out, starting the day, my coming in and ending the day. Be blessed. Have a great day.